everybody. Welcome to another episode of Bothell Amplified. Pastor Joe here. Uh, I'm excited to be continuing our sermon series, Spirit-Filled People, by uh, looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through 9. We see how Paul continues to encourage the people of Corinth while also uh, sharing with them what it means to unlearn all that they might have known and to relearn what it means to be people rooted in Jesus. Check out the sermon here. My name's Alan Jacobson, and today we continue our series, Spirit-Filled People, and we'll be reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 to 9. And so, brothers and sisters, I could not speak to you as spiritual people, but rather as fleshly, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for solid food. Even now you are still not ready, for you are still fleshly. For as long as there is jealousy and quarreling among you, you are not fleshly and behaving according to human inclinations. For when one says, I belong to Paul, and another, I belong to Apollos, Are you not all too human? What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. For neither the one who plants nor the one who who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. The one who plants and the one who waters have one purpose, and each will receive wages according to their own labor. For we are God's co-workers, working together. You are God's field, God's building. Holy words for God's people. Um, Good morning, church. It's good to be with you. Would you uh, do me a favor? Would you uh, turn to somebody you didn't come with and ask them who they're rooting for for the Super Bowl after you find out their name? So find out. Uh, okay, wait, whoa, whoa, whoa. For anyone who needs review, it's the Eagles and the Chiefs, okay? So Eagles or Chiefs, turn to somebody who you didn't come with and find out who you're rooting for. <laughs> And online, I hope you are typing in. Type in who you're rooting for. Let me just see a quick show of hands. Uh, How many uh, Eagles fans in here? All right. How many uh, Chiefs fans in here? Okay. And I'm praying for all of you uh, for this afternoon. Um, I know we have some folks worshiping with us from Philadelphia, New Jersey, Susan, Jody, others. And so uh, we are celebrating being together. Uh, today. Um, I, uh, some of you know that uh, my, my kids and my spouse, Joanne, are uh, not here right now. They left to see uh, Joanne's parents in Mexico on, on Wednesday, uh, which means that uh, I spent a lot of time uh, eating nachos and watching movies. Um, I actually have a list. Uh, one of my best friends uh, sent me a list of all of the movies that I should have seen growing up that I never got around watching, and so I started watching some of these. And um, some of them were really scary. <laughs> and there's a difference to being scared 
and watching a scary movie in your house by yourself and with other people. Someone amen, yeah? <laughs> and so after the movie, I was going to turn off all my lights and getting ready for bed, and I hear something, I'm like, who's there, right? And I'm like crawling into bed and I hear something again and it ends up being my dog. But I just found how jumpy I was when I'm being by myself. It's a scary world out there. There's a lot of stuff going on right now. Um, Wars happening in countries. uh, Violence is happening around us. Opioid addictions continues to grow. And I imagine how scared I might be to be alone. How much scarier it would be if we were alone. And there's things that we get to do together to build one another up, to comfort one another, to support and encourage one another, and that's what we get to do as church. That's why we get to do this thing called church. And on Sundays, when we come together, we're remembering that we are not alone and that this community of folks online and on site, we are that family for each other. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. And so we want you to know that if you come into this space and into this time of worship uh, with heavy hearts, with scared hearts, with things going on in your life that are uh, bringing you uh, grief or concern or anxiety, hey, you are welcome and we're here for you. And if you have reasons to celebrate and you've had awesome weeks and things that bring you joy, we're here for you too because we celebrate with you in all that is happening in your life. That's the beauty of this community. It's the beauty of community. So we want to name that this morning. You, for exactly who you are, for all that you've been through, for all that is happening in your life, for exactly who God created you to be, you are welcome and you belong. And especially for those of you who have been pushed out and kept out and uh, marginalized and uh, from spaces including church, you are welcome and you belong. If you are gay or lesbian or transgender or bisexual or questioning, know that you are welcome, know that you belong. If you're black or brown or indigenous, if you've been discriminated against because of the color of your skin, know that you are welcome, know that you belong. If you find yourself homeless or houseless or in the lower economic brackets of our community, If you're single or divorced or partnered or separated, know that you are welcome, know that you belong. Uh, With all of your unique gifts and abilities, created to be bearers of Christ's image to all the world, know that you are welcome, know that you belong. Amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Oh God, be present here and in all the places from which we are worshiping. Move in us and through us that we too would be moved and changed. Speak to us, we pray. Less of me, more of you, none of me, all of you. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In high school, uh, I was on the varsity team for two sports, tennis in the spring, swimming in the winter. In fact, by senior year, I was a captain of both of these teams, which isn't saying much because our swim team only had three members on it. I remember, though, it was our winter sports banquet. The, the Booster Club had uh, rented out a nice restaurant, and, and all the winter student athletes and their families got to go and have a nice dinner before the awards were handed out. 
And since I was the senior, I had gotten all the usual awards and recognitions, the, the captain's award and the most valuable player, the, the top student athlete for grades. I even got to hand out an award to an underclassman in this sort of passing of the torch kind of way. Overall, it was a great evening. But the one award that I was really waiting for came at the very end. It was the Athlete of the Season Award, the ASA, we called it. And it was where all the winter athletes and, and all the coaches and all the trainers voted on who they thought was the athlete of the season. And as a senior, and as a captain, and as an overall amazing individual, I actually had a shot. It was the last award of the night, and the athletic director went to the podium. He had already announced the female athlete of the season and was now getting ready to announce the male athlete of the season. He said, this award goes to someone who exemplifies excellence both in the classroom and in the arena. He's hardworking and driven and caring. He competes with his heart, making himself better as well as his teammates around him. He's a great leader and we're proud of all that he has accomplished in his years here. And the whole time I'm checking off the boxes in my head, right? <laughs> excellence, yup, that's me. Hardworking, driven, caring, check, check. Make others better, great leader, many years, check. That's, it's my honor this year to announce as the male winter athlete of the season, and it wasn't me. <laughs> and then I had to do that thing they do at the Oscars or the Grammys when you show that you're really happy for the winner and, and that you knew it was going to be them. Like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, it was so right. Did you know that in 2022, there was a poll that asked how well Christians represent the values and teachings of Jesus. And here's some of the results. Among religious but unaffiliated respondents, in other words, among those who were religious but did not belong to or identify with any specific group, 29% of them said, not at all. And only 2% of them said that Christians represent Jesus' teachings and values a lot, 2%. Among respondents of non-Christian religions, when asked the same question, how well do Christians represent the values and teachings of Jesus, 18% said not at all, and 6% said a lot. Religious News Service asked Episcopal Bishop Michael Curry about this, and he said that, quote, the feedback was hard to hear, but then he added, quote, you can only begin the process of healing when you have an accurate diagnosis. I wonder if we have an accurate diagnosis of who we are. Uh, staff here is working hard on this, and I, I would invite you into that conversation as well. F think about it. For 17 months, we had to react to the deadly virus and find ways to respond when we were all online. And for another 16 months, we had to react to the world opening up again. Even now, I don't know if we can begin to know the physical and emotional and mental and spiritual impact of the last 35 months, but we need to begin looking for an accurate diagnosis. On Tuesday, I asked the staff, I said, what words would you use to describe our church today? Take 30 seconds. Reflect on that for a minute. What words would you use to describe our church today? 
If you were with us pre-pandemic, what words would you use to describe our church then? And finally, what words would you want to use to describe our church three years from now? The church in Corinth, they're, they're, they're going through some things. Right? Remember, the, the, the city of Corinth is this bustling cosmopolitan city that, that attracted people from all parts of the Mediterranean region. Uh, we know that Paul was writing sometime in the mid-50s of that first century, and it was a time when, when Corinth was the center of trade. The city was diverse. It was situated as a post for those who traveled by roads and those who traveled by sea, at two of the, uh, hosting two of the large seaports at the time. There was money there was commercialism. There was a lot going on in the city. And Paul founded this church. He established this community uh, before leaving about a year and a half later to go plant other churches. And as he leaves, this church is growing. But that seems short-lived, at least in this correspondence. We, we know that it's at least their third one. And though the earlier letters didn't survive, we can assume that previous letters had a lot of questions and unresolved issues. This, this once growing church is now fighting and there's factions visible. Some are falling back to the, the former ways. They're worshiping old gods and leaving the community. Others are claiming absolute truth and rigidity in their beliefs. They're starting to take sides. They're, they're creating divisions based on knowledge and, and education, economic status and class. That it's leading to excluding people from their community. And so Paul is writing to remind them of their groundedness, to remind them that their foundation is in Jesus, not of the world. And from the beginning of 1 Corinthians, he creates this dichotomy. In chapter 1, verse 18, he says, For the message about the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. And, and the people who are reading this letter, they're, they're nodding. Yeah, Paul, that's right, you said it. The word out there, the world out there is full of false wisdom. They're not like us. And this continues throughout chapter 2, verse 6. We do speak wisdom. Verse 7, but we speak God's wisdom. Verse 10, God has revealed to us, and so forth. We, us, and, and the Corinthians are still nodding along. Yeah, we speak God's wisdom. They don't. The world out there doesn't, but, but, but we do. And then chapter 3 begins. And he says, and so, brothers and sisters, I could not speak to you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. This church, with its reputation, with its prestige, with its resources, with its intellect, with its excitement, with its growth. This church needed to be reminded that the work was not theirs, but God's. This church needed to be reminded that it was turning back to the ways of the world, to the standards of the world, 
to the gains and riches of the world. And in reality, this church needed to start over. It needed to go to the basics, to learn as infants do, simply and slowly at first, but roots of goodness and love and all things that are of God. Paul finishes this section turning to one of their specific conflicts. For them, they were tearing themselves apart. They were causing division in the church by arguing over allegiance to to various apostles and teachers. But I I love what Paul does in verse 6. He says, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. And in Greek, Paul uses an interesting way of of putting this. The first two verbs, he uses a simple past tense. I planted, Apollos watered. These things that had a beginning and an end, they happened and they're done. For the third verb, he switches to the imperfect past tense. Our text says, but God gave the growth. But it, it, it it should be more something like, but God kept giving growth. It's ongoing. It didn't have a start and an end, not like it was planted, not like it was watered. It started, and it keeps going. And it keeps going. And it keeps going. I wonder if you hear some of our story in the Corinthian story. Church, we're going to go back to some of our roots. Many of you heard me share the definition of church as biblical communities of worship gathered and sent. It's from Professor Paul Roram of my church history professor from seminary. Uh, Biblical communities, uh, meaning people who are connected by the story of God's faithfulness throughout Scripture. And then worship, describing our connection to God today through lament and prayer and song and praise gathered in community online and on site and sent for the sake of the world, for the sake of God's preferred future, for the sake of the beloved community which we hope to live into one day. I want to invite you, over the next few weeks and months, we're going to go on a journey to remember what that means to live into what church means today in 2023, slowly and simply, but rooted in God's love, we'll announce some of the steps that we might take, some of the ideas we might try, some of the changes we might make, things like how we worship, things like how we communicate, things like how we order ourselves, things like how we serve, things like where our money goes, things like how we do life. We're going to try it all. We're going to try it all because we believe that God is still growing in us. But sometimes we might have forgotten that. So for now, I I want to invite us to have the wonder of an infant, to be open to all that God has in store, 
to allow ourselves to trust that God's giving of growth is still going, to give ourselves permission to play and to try things, to mess up and to try again, but all for the hopes that we would be filled by the Spirit to be the people who God calls us to be. How many of us got anxious when I named all the things that we might try? It's okay. I'm super anxious. But that's part of it. Because I remember when I first learned to ride a bike and how scared I was. Or I remember how I watched all these movies this week and how scared I continue to be. And then I remember the community here. Remember the community here. And I remember the ways God calls us to live into God's preferred future, not by ourselves, not by our power, not by our might, but because God is still growing in our midst. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Holy One, we trust that you are still at work. We trust that you are still moving and working in us. We trust that we may not know all the answers. And so forgive us of the times when we thought we did and lead us and guide us into the times of the unknown where we put our trust in you. It's in your holy name that we pray. Amen. All right, so that was our second sermon of this three-week series, Spirit-Filled People. Uh, Next week, we're going to turn to Matthew and look at uh, the transfiguration where Jesus goes to the mountain with his disciples and where Elijah and Moses appear. Uh, Come back next week and we'll see how that story invites us to lean into our identity as Spirit-Filled People. Until then, have a wonderful week.